Welcome to the Evolution of Parenting. I'm Yorona. And I'm Robert. And we're both advanced certified life coaches who met during our certification program. Through our coaching sessions, we connected as parents from two different perspectives. Robert is the parent of adult children, and myself, I'm the parent of a five-year-old. We both recognize that the role of parenting never stops, but it does change. In fact, it has to change. And if we've developed a strong and healthy relationship with boundaries and a strong sense of autonomy, we will remain with our children long after we're gone. What makes this podcast unique are the parenting experiences and perspectives each of us have and what we bring to the table, as well as our backgrounds in child development and education. Each episode, we'll take a look at a different topic related to parenting, and we hope to give you, the listeners, some insight and takeaways on how you can relate this to your experiences as a parent. So today's episode is all about... Discipline. Discipline. Yes. Discipline. Yes. We talked about accountability and uh, consequences, and now we're going to do discipline. So... For me, it's really important to distinguish in the beginning the difference between discipline and punishment, because we often talk, we use the same language to try to describe the same thing, and it's they're not. Discipline is an intensely internal decision that we make to either give up something right now or to do something right now that has a consequence later. So we give up something now so that we can have something we want more later, or we do something now that we don't really like, so that we can not have to do something we don't really like more later. There's a now component and a later component, and it's about helping ourselves make those choices. Punishment is a little bit different. Yes, so punishment is what we would consider cruelty, honestly. It's it's a random act of cruelty for the sake of, of cruelty with no real uh, consequences other than to put somebody in a lesser position from you. Mm-hmm. So so the difference, the nuanced difference and what Robert's talking about is what we call internal discipline. When we're talking about external discipline, that is really in the, you know, bleeds over into the unfortunate con- realm of that external uh, punishment. Mm-hmm. right from an authoritative place so neither of us really hold to punishment I, I think you know when when people say they were punished by their parents by you know either being spanked or um being get, going to bed with no dinner or having mm-hmm. their tv time taken away or things like that because they didn't get their homework done they there's a randomness to it it's it's the this i have the authority here and so therefore, you know what you did, you, you forgot to clean up your room. So now you can't watch TV. You, um, you know, skipped school. So now you're getting your phone taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are very, they're not, they don't have any tie-in to one another. No if natural you think, consequence. Right. Or... And they don't have the natural consequence. So when I talk about discipline from an external discipline perspective, I talk about it from a, what I call natural consequential discipline so um one and it helps build my son's internal discipline mm-hmm. you know what i was talking about um in our previous episode when i was talking about consequences so 
I was saying about how, like, sometimes when Connor would get really frustrated, he'll throw something. He'll throw a toy. He'll go, oh, I'm so, you know, frustrated, and he'll throw that toy. And he understands that it's inappropriate to throw the toy because it could break the toy. It could damage something that he's throwing it at or even hurt somebody or hit someone. And if he does that in a circumstance where that's a possibility, then it's going to be dangerous Mm -hmm. and cause potential harm. So for him to understand that he's not treating that toy properly means he's going to get that toy taken away. That's a natural discipline. But the way he builds the internal discipline is how we help him say okay you're frustrated what do you do with that frustration rather than do something inappropriate like throwing your toy what can you do with that frustration and we have this red pillow that's got a mad face on it we call it his angry pillow so it's <laughs> feeling frustrated he needs to turn and punch the angry pillow he needs to mm. get that volatile feeling out of him For some people, they need to find a Zen place, you know, countdown. Sometimes counting works for him, but we got to go much higher than 10 because he's a real math whiz. So we're like, all right, let's count down (laughs) from 20. Let's, you know, it's like, or let's count up to 50. Yeah, exactly. Because that leads out some of the steam of his frustration. But honestly, venting out his anger toward the pillow is actually a really healthy way to vent that frustration and again it builds his discipline so that he doesn't potentially do something destructive right that's the internal versus the external Uh, i have another really adorable story for the way we're really building his internal discipline we got into a very bad habit when he was little we started taking him food shopping And for me, food shopping adventures were really good and fun. And it's a wonderful way to build connection with your kid, to get them really um, to absorbing their environment that's around them, to exploring food, all of these things. So we would make him a really big part of our shopping experience. And he would, he had this little orange wagon. When he was walking, he would build pull the wagon along behind him and he would put little food and stuff like that in it. Like, Oh, let's get these uh, cherries. Let's get, you know, he would walk with the wagon. Now he puts things into the cart and stuff. But what happened during the pandemic was we shopping was our only outlet. Mm. So my husband started taking him down the toy aisle and it was like, Oh, what's the big deal of buying a $1 hot wheel car? Well, the big deal is expectation. So, What happened is he started expecting to be able to buy a toy every time we went out and did food shopping. Mm -hmm. And as we started to explain to him, well, food shopping is a necessity because we need food to be healthy and to live and to grow and to build our nutrients. Toys are not a necessity. They're not something we need. They're something we want. So we would try to teach him that it wasn't always working. So he would start throwing tantrums in the store. And I'm like, what do we do? What do we do? All right, here's what we came up with. We call it window shopping. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, Connor, we are going to go into the store, but today is not a day we're going to be buying a toy because it's a want, not a need. However, if you see something you like, you really like, we'll take a picture of it and we'll add it to our list of things you want mm. so that when it's an appropriate time yeah. for us to buy you something you want, then you get to have something from that list. Wow. Great and it became a thing. So now yeah, he says, yeah. and every once in a while, he will test the boundaries of the window shopping. And he'll be like, but I really want this. And I'm like, <laughs> fantastic. And you know what? This holiday is getting closer. 
So that's going to be something for the holiday. I don't give in to the want, you know, and I think that that's what's really important and staying consistent. It shows him that me being consistent with that builds his internal discipline for seeing that it's the wants are less important than the needs. The needs have to come first. Yeah. That's, that's so much. Oh man. So the story is so rich with things. And one of the things that uh, the first kind of came to mind is the sense going back again to contrasting punishment. Punishment is designed to create a negative emotion with the intention of that negative emotion generating the behavior that we want to see. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. When you are punishing your child, especially in a uh, in a case where you're, um, and I've seen this in, in students that I had, like I I would tell them like I need to let your parents know that you're failing this class. Oh my God, Mr. Holtz, please don't call my parents because they will whip me. When you create fear in your kid, you are not leading them to respect. Mm-mm. You're only creating when you punish them by whipping them. Or creating some, or, or physically assaulting them, you are only creating fear, and that fear will never lead to. They will never respect you because of that. They will only fear you because of that. You will never, uh, you will never teach them to respect the police by creating fear of the police. Yep. So it's really important. And in your story, it was smaller. It wasn't fear, but when you set up that expectation that I'm going to get a toy. And then you have to back off that expectation. It creates a negative uh, feeling in them. Hence the temper tantrum, right? It's not the behavior. The behavior you want is for them to accept. Okay. Well, I can't get my toy right now. So I love the fact that you all recovered from that because so many times as a parent, I never thought about how to recover from uh, failing the expectation or dialing back the expectation or, or inadvertently creating a negative emotion. I was like, Oh, now darn it. So I, I just wanted to make that point because it does contrast so greatly. And I'd like to, to point out what you said about the fear thing too. Um, it also leads to your children not sharing with you when they're afraid of something. Absolutely. Because they're more fearful of the consequent the punishment that you are going to put on them than they are of the potential consequences yeah. of their yeah. risky behaviors or actions like yeah. and i know we've talked about this before but like the idea of drinking and driving and mm-hmm. underage drinking and then driving and all of these risky behaviors that teenagers get into mm-hmm. something that is so important to understand is that if you reduce their if you make them not afraid of you but rather if you help them respect you and create a safe space for them to come to when they make those horrible mistakes Mm -hmm. because they're thinking of arbitrary punishment that you're going to throw on them, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when it comes to poor decision-making, this is really important. The, The reason why internal discipline and building that for our children is really important is because it leads to making less really poor risky behavior mistakes, right? The more internal discipline I have, (laughs) right, hopefully. But here's the thing, we all do that. We all uh, sometimes take a a, a poor risk assessment of of a scenario and we're like, you know what? I'll just do this, it's not that big a deal, right? And we're like, it's not that big a deal. I can I can drive just from here to the grocery store really quick without my seatbelt, it's not a big deal. The traffic's light, blah, 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 it's no big deal. What that sets us up for is we're taking an unknown 
uncalculated risk because mm-hmm. unless we're really a statistician and mm-hmm. very very hyper aware of our our statistics our risk stats on mm-hmm. that we can't you know that's not going to be helpful but you know to go back to this idea so internal discipline means okay i'm going to have the internal discipline to make sure i do all of my homework one day i don't do my homework and i get in trouble with the teacher and they write mm-hmm. a note to my parents and that note has to go home to my parents well my parents are going to punish me they're going to take away my phone they're going to stop me from watching tv maybe they'll spank me maybe they'll um maybe i have to go to bed with no no food all of those things are fear-based punishments that don't teach your child yeah to maintain the homework they teach them that you made a really bad choice here you made a really poor poor choice to not do mm-hmm. your homework and you know we're going to arbitrarily punish you for it and yeah. so and so then they become fearful of that they become more afraid of that punishment than they do of the fact that they didn't do their homework and what it does is it lends down to this slippery sliding slope of every time they don't do their homework they hide that fact from you maybe they mm-hmm. don't give you the note maybe they don't give you the note and then their the teacher says when where's the note you know signed back and then the child decides to forge your your signature and then yeah. the child and then the child gets found out and now they have to have um you know what's it called uh uh therapy no <laughs> no oh well uh, yeah, leave there but um i was i was thinking of not de- uh detention right yeah and yeah. they get detention and then they keep getting detention because they're so fearful of you and your arbitrary punishments that it leads them down this uh, okay now they're suddenly expelled it's like oh my gosh you don't get them to trust you as their parent by making them afraid of you yeah oh, and let's just say it fear is probably the worst possible behavioral motivational tool anybody has I'm going to give you the flip side to what you just said. The flip side is this, and this is the scary flip side. You get kids that aren't afraid. You get kids that you, if you, if the, if the biggest thing that you give a kid as a potential consequence is the fear of something, they may get to the point where they're not afraid of that thing. I know kids that aren't afraid of going to detention. I know kids that aren't afraid of of getting in the car and drinking and driving like i'm not afraid of that because what does what does alcohol do it takes away our fear yeah right so if the only thing they have banked in their head was fear of a consequence and alcohol diminishes that they don't have a fear of driving so we have to we have to be so so cautious as parents of using anything that especially is fear-based because it will not get us the behavior that we're seeking Right. And so it, it, it's we just have to say that. And not all of us grew up that way. A lot of us grew up in households where fear was the thing. I remember growing up, my dad was a, a journeyman toolmaker and he's very, very gifted at making things on machines. And one day there were five of us in the family. He comes home and he has this piece of wood in his hand. He's just kind of twirling it by the handle. And he has this piece of wood. It's probably about uh, 16 inches long. It's got a, you know, a handle on it and it's got holes in it. He's drilled holes in it. And all he does is he makes sure that we all see it. He makes sure that we all, and all, he comes in and he just lays it on top of the refrigerator. That's, he didn't say a word. He didn't say what it was for. I knew as the oldest, I knew what the heck this was for. Like this was, but 
my brothers, you know, had to find out the hard way what this is about. But the point is, you know, there's a point where your kids might get bigger than you as a parent. Yes. So you may think if you're a big parent and you can lord your body physically over, and then they get to be six six and they're bigger, than, they're not going to fear that paddle. Nope, nope, nope. You know, so they'll turn it back. So we have to just say, be very careful with this fear thing. Think about it a lot because it's not um, drinking and driving. Uh, maybe a stronger motivational is you attend the funeral of someone that was killed and they feel a, a, a grief and an anguish that's there of over loss so much greater than, than just the fear of, of doing that. But anyway, that's an aside. And I want to touch on two other pieces to this too. So we talked about the fear aspect of punishment and, you know, arbitrary punishment. I want to talk about two other pieces that are, punishment but people don't often realize it one is indifference punishment mm -hmm. so some parents who are so caught up in their own lives and every time their kid does something they're like whatever it's not a big deal that is a punishment that's a form of punishment it's a mm -hmm. cruel arbitrary response that holds no weight mm -hmm. whatsoever and in the absence of weight comes the absence of responsibility for their actions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the absence of the creation of of internal discipline. Mm -hmm. So let, let's talk about a circumstance where the parents are super wealthy and the kids get everything they want. And, but also the parents are indifferent to their, to them. It's not that they, they just, whatever, you know, you want this, this, whatever, you know, I don't have time for your problems at school. I don't have time for you know, to make family time, I'm working and I'm a CEO of a company and blah, blah, blah. What you see happen with a lot of those kids is they start to exhibit really poor behavior choices and they start to do a lot of risky behavior because they're looking for a response, even if the response mm -hmm. is anger and yeah. punishment. Yeah, yeah. They're looking for some response. Mm -hmm. So the indifference that you lay upon them is painful because there's an absence of any response whatsoever there's no fear you know there's no fear of punishment uh you know but there's also no natural consequences there's no anything and they become completely they're like i just want something i just want yeah. something even if it's my parent to put so then those parents will go around being like, okay, you're going to be shipped off to a boarding school. You do bad there, you get kicked out. We're going to ship you to another boarding school. They can't be bothered mm -hmm. with their children. And when you can't be bothered with your children, why did you have your children in the first place? What to, you know, carry on a legacy that you're not actually giving them, instilling any kind of uh, integrity with. Mm -hmm. So, so th that's a, a piece. There's another piece, which is the overindulgence parents so this is also yeah, helicopter slash uh, lawnmower bull, bulldozer, <laughs> bulldozer parents, parents yeah where the overindulgent punishment leads to again lack of internal discipline because you're not actually you're not doing any not only are you not doing anything but you're giving them everything even when they're making poor and bad decisions and mm -hmm. bad choices and so you're telling them that there are no consequences. Yeah, yeah. There are no consequences to your actions, none whatsoever. You can mm -hmm. do anything you want in this world, and everybody just has to get out of your way. And yeah. those are the parents who tend to give everything to their kids on a silver platter and so on. I think about the college scandal kids. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. their level of expectation that they were just going to whatever. The problem with those is that they can't function <laughs> without you. Right. They have no functionality in the world. Even if you give them everything, you lay out an entire empire, they will drain that empire. Mm-hmm. And then they will wonder who's going to give them what next. Yeah, that's fair. That's they fair. live that those people live their life life most unsuccessfully because mm-hmm. they are not living a healthy, successful life of being a responsible human being yeah. and being a part of the world we live in. They separate themselves from the rest of the world. And therefore, some of the consequences of their actions are absolutely tragic. Mm-hmm. And we have to acknowledge that that is, in my mind, a form of punishment because it leads to no no responsibility, mm-hmm. no accountability, no consequences, and it, it hurts the overall society we live in. Yeah, and the effect will probably be felt a lot later in their life than, you know, maybe in the, in that particular moment. Yeah. You mentioned the, the, the talk about wealth. That's a really interesting topic. Um, as, a, you know, the husband of a wife who is very successful in her corporate role, we developed, there came a point where, you know, socioeconomically, we're, we're good, we're fine. Uh, we, we, we have accumulated wealth. Unfortunately for our kids, they grew up, in that latter part of her career where she had ascended to a certain point and was making a certain amount of money and which afforded us the ability to do certain things like take trips and have things. So their formative years were in that. What they were not able to see were the years where, you know, the early years where we developed a lot of credit card debt and we made, we made poor decisions. We were undisciplined with our finances. We didn't necessarily know how to spend money well. Um, and what it took to kind of course correct on that and get to the point where the decisions that we made, and then also the small decisions, and especially in terms of Holly's career, that led to where she's at right now. You don't just kind of burst on the scene and, and, and the corporations shower money on you for being a good person and, and being part of their culture. Um, you, you have to build that. And, she, and so we had to make sacrifices early on. Uh, especially with respect to travel um, and, and and her being gone. And thankfully, you know, she, when she was home, she was home. It was, I was really blessed that the kids had that component that, you know, she could have those moments where, yes, I'm not, but here I am. So they didn't get to see all of that. So it's a bit of a struggle. I think if you talk to them now where they're used to having the ability to do things, having the ability to go places, having the, the, the opportunity to, have things, but they didn't necessarily see all the little things that led up to that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that timing, and I remember back when, when I remember my grandparents, uh, in particular, my grandfather, by the time I really was able to kind of consciously know him, um, he was very successful in business. But, you know, as I talked to my dad, he's like, yeah, you don't remember the time when we had to, you know, do this and do that and do the other, because I either I wasn't around or I was too young to understand it. So understanding, you know, sometimes our kids come into our lives at different stages yeah. and understanding the effect of where you are and maybe having to go back and explain a little bit how you got to where you are, yeah. because otherwise they might not understand why, you know, that there's some work involved, there's some sacrifice, there's some self-discipline involved. 
right? I tell Connor um, things like, you know, we have this, we do donations all the time. So like we, uh, we do physical, you know, like I go through clothes and I go through the stuff in our house and I'm like, okay, we need to, to do a donation. In fact, we have a pickup tomorrow. So, and you know, Connor is used to now going through some of his toys and picking out some stuff and, you know, giving them away for donation. In fact, we have to call some of his toys some more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, uh, I explained the why behind the donation that not mm -hmm. everybody has all this stuff and that sometimes you get to a point in your life where you're you don't have everything and you don't have it all together and I said we're lucky we have our house we have food we have you know we have the things we need um, but not everybody does and mm -hmm. so some of these things are going to people who don't all have this Mm -hmm. And as he gets older, I'm going to explain with more nuanced detail about how that works in life, that it's not all equitable. Right. And right. That, and you're right. And then going backwards saying, you know, there was a time in my life when it wasn't always equitable. And there mm -hmm. was a time when I made mistakes and I had to course correct, mm -hmm. you know, um, making a poor investment choice or, uh, you know, even just, you know, racking up credit card debt. When I was in, in college, I'm going to admit this fully. When I was in college, so actually back up before that, when I was young, my mom tried to, <laughs> when I was 12, she started making me go through the bills with her, okay. the household bills. Okay. Um, she made all of us do it. She wanted us to understand that. Maybe it was a little ambitious of her, but then she decided to teach me taxes. Woo! At 14, I was doing the taxes with her. And mm -hmm. we're talking about this was not during a time when you had online taxes and easy filing. <laughs> you had to go line by line. Right. And she would bring out all the receipts and the medical bills and blah, 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 writing it all out. And it was overwhelming. Um, and I think it scared me a little bit, but I still mm. didn't have a complete understanding of credit cards and things of that nature. And so when I got to college, of course, what happens, you turn 18 and they're offering you these credit cards. And what I lacked in the internal discipline was I kind of went the opposite way. My mom didn't, she overwhelmed me with it rather than teaching it to me in increments that I could understand. And okay, Yorona, how can you maintain your financial situation? Da, 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 da. So the end result was I racked up credit card debt when I was mm -hmm. in college. And it was a terrible consequence that I had to deal with in the aftermath. And I had course corrections. I had to make course corrections in my life. And, you know, there were times when it got very close to the edge and I realized, okay, this is not good. So my relationship with finances, it was very tricky for a while and very, you know, and everybody builds that because of their internal discipline mechanisms that are created. Mm -hmm a lot in in response to the influences we have by our parents so all that is to say that mm -hmm. i think you know this this conversation it's an overwhelming one and i don't want parents to feel that they have to do everything all at once everything we do has to be in incremental manageable doses right in response to the incremental changes that occur as your child grows and develops mm -hmm. You should not be pouring upon your five-year-old how to do taxes. <laughs> yeah, I just, and I just want to add this element. You make a great point. I wanted to add this element because we talked about credit cards, for example. We talked about wealth. Having your child develop self-discipline may seem like a luxury when they're with you. But when they get out in the world, 
we live in a predatory economy. Yeah. I don't seek to do any harm or damage to my child. There are companies that live to create the kind of damage that you just described with credit. They'll give you credit card. They'll give you 25 credit cards. Sure. Rack it up, you know, pay 19% annual, you know, percent interest rate. Uh, whether it's a loan, whether it's uh, buying a home, whether it's buying a car, we they're going to go out into a predatory world. Yeah. And if they don't have that self-discipline, they will be taken advantage of. Yeah. They will be taken advantage of. And so it's it's important that incrementally we've developed it so that when they get to the big decisions, they have the confidence to say, hmm, okay, I see what you're saying. I can read the fine print. I'm still going to get the credit card. Yeah. Okay. Or I, I see what you're saying. I read the fine print. Like, that's really not going to fit in our budget right now. They they have that. That's the ability that we're talking about here. Exactly. Exactly. And it all comes with the recognition that a lot of times reflective course corrections are needed. Oh, right? yes. Absolutely. We make a absolutely. mistake and we're like, whoa that was not a good choice and yeah and there does carry with that a little bit of a shame and a little bit of like especially if you're disappointed in yourself but i will say this and i know this from personal experience um even recently making a poor choice when you don't have all the decision making you know all the knowledge that you needed to make that choice um thinking you had the knowledge it, but not actually having the knowledge um and you make that poor choice and and it mm -hmm. does come back to bite you is a is a reminder that we need to figure out what lesson we learned from that so mm -hmm. we can move forward with wiser decision making and one way i will tell you that you can do this too is to ask somebody if you're on the fence about a decision it's always the wisest thing you can do to mm -hmm. get another perspective of a trusted mm -hmm. Uh, loved one or family member or somebody um, or a friend or somebody who you know who's knowledgeable in that field in that area yeah and I'd like to underline that because you know oftentimes we as older parents we're not sure what role we play in our kids life we talked about this evolution of parenting this one is prime if you've gone through a life and you've experienced all this stuff your kid's going to need a course correction and they're not going to know what to do even as an adult so that's when you can step in and say, like, here's a possibility. Here's something you can think about. Here's a way out of what you're talking about, because all the self-discipline in the world isn't necessarily going to have them understand where they can go. They don't necessarily know the course corrections. Right. And being older, we've either experienced them or we know about them. We can say, OK, so you you have this you know experience. Here's something that can help you course correct. You can give that kind of guidance. You can be there for that because you're the one that's gone ahead of them and either experienced it yourself or, or, or learned it from others, you know, in your, in your generation. Yeah. There's so many applications to self-discipline, but one of yes. the things with it is, is like that it, it has to go hand in hand with knowledge. And if you don't have the knowledge, you have to know where you can go. Cause it's great yeah. if you, if you hesitate on a decision because you have enough discipline to say, this might not be the greatest choice for me. But then where do you go from there? Right, right. Yeah. Ah, that Oof, is a very big one. conversation, very big topic. <laughs> and you know what? It's not an easy one. So mm -hmm. you are always more than welcome to reach out to me and Robert for more conversations like these. 
Uh, and on that note, as always, a happy parenting and may the evolution of your parenting skills be ever in your favor. Absolutely.